There exists a threat from anti-hunting groups to politicians trying to give our land away, and we won't stand for it. Those vast western landscapes provide the space for our wildlife to thrive and a place for hunters and anglers to fuel the fire that sparks their soul. In this show, we share our love of hunting, fishing, and conservation. Here, we provide the foundation to meet these threats through passion and the grit of the American outdoorsman. Welcome to the Western Huntsman Podcast. gentlemen welcome to this episode of the western huntsman podcast this is jim huntsman your host coming at you from the broken time studio and brought to you by eastman's hunting journals this episode uh ladies and gentlemen i figured i'd knock out real quick it's just going to be a real quick one short one uh just me no guest today but um i've been seeing a lot of stuff online especially in like a lot of facebook groups and stuff and i like to i, I like to kind of see what people are asking and what people are talking about and you know the the big talk right now out west is uh deer hunting and i'm seeing a lot of posts that kind of start like this hey i am new to deer hunting and I have I have been going out, and I'm not seeing any deer, and I don't know where to find them. Can anybody give me some guidance? Um, you know, I I and, and I have like mixed feelings about those kind of posts because I I never want to see somebody posting something looking for that easy button to find deer and locate deer and help uh, you, you know have everybody else basically walk you through how to notch your tag. But the thing is, is you're, you're going to get a lot more out of it by figuring a lot of this stuff out on your own. That said, I want to try to offer up some guidance to some of you new deer hunters. And I don't care if you're going after a doe or if you're just going after, you know, maybe a smaller buck, uh, just something to notch a tag and get a deer under your belt. Because let's face it, when when you're a new hunter and you're you're just kind of getting your feet wet in in this lifestyle and this uh, this way of life, this sport, this whatever you want to call it, you know, um, it, deer hunting is the most foundational hunt out there. I I think that if you can master some basic fundamentals with deer hunting, those will uh, transition very nicely to. Other things like elk and and bear, uh, heck, even pheasant hunting, uh, goats, it just whatever you want to pursue in the future. Uh, like deer hunting is this foundational thing. It's it's this mastery that you should achieve. That's going to translate to other things in in when you're, when you're out there hunting other species and and uh, especially in other countries. So, I figured I'd I'd offer some tips. I've, I'm a lifelong deer hunter. I'm I'm. I consider myself pretty good at it. I'm not like a big time trophy deer hunter. I'm always kind of looking for, you know, that the most mature buck I can find. Uh, but I'm really happy with a three and a half or a four and a half year old buck. Uh, and and a lot of that has to do with the country I hunt um, and and some of the regions I hunt. We don't have, the, you know, I don't hunt in Wyoming or or some of these Colorado or Montana units that have, you know, these monster muleys everywhere. Uh, and not that they're everywhere, but um, the opportunity on some of those bigger bucks is a, is a lot more difficult where I hunt. So, uh, you know, and, and I think that I, I speak to a lot of people that are kind of like me where, you know, we're not, we're not going after a 200 class buck. We're, we're looking for, you know, a nice three, three by three or a four by four or a five by four or whatever, you know, and this is going to be information that is going to be translatable to both you mule deer and whitetail deer hunters. And, uh, I'm, I'm pretty good at both of those. So, First of all, I want to talk about, you know, the difference between mule deer and whitetail for, for a lot of you new folks, because the hunt is way different that if you're, if you're targeting a specific mule versus uh, a whitetail buck, it's going to be a very different thing. And so let's take a look at some of the differences. Now I'm going to speak initially about like Idaho, Montana, uh, Colorado, Wyoming, Utah, uh, Washington, Oregon, I think this information is going to translate well. When you get into like Arizona, 
or New Mexico or Southern California and, and some places in Nevada, this information might actually switch to the exact opposite. For example, in the Idaho regions where I hunt uh, and, and in like Western Montana and, and a lot of Washington, you're going to find the mule deer in the high country and the whitetail down low where I have never hunted deer in Arizona, but I have uh, I have some friends down there, and that that is essentially like the opposite. You're going to find the whitetail up high and the muleys down low, and then you can find like the coos deer and stuff down, uh, down south or whatever. So um, I'm going to speak to kind of more the northern rocky region for a minute. So muley, where you, where are you going to find mule deer? Where where are you going to find a mule deer? It's going to be defend, dependent on, and this is something you could find online. It's going to be dependent on the unit that you're hunting. Is there a mix? Is it straight up a whitetail unit, or is it straight up a mule deer unit, or is it a combination of both species? Because that's going to make a difference. But generally speaking. Uh, the, and the further north you go, I think the more applicable this is because I know like down in Southern Idaho, uh, there's not a lot of whitetail down there. And so it's, it's all mule deer. So you can find them down in the alfalfa fields and private property all the way up to, you know, eight, nine, 10,000 feet. So where they're, where they're combination units, however, you're going to find this transitional thing where like, um, up north where I'm at, you know, 45 feet elevation and above, you're going to start seeing some big mule deer bucks. Uh, below that, you're pretty much only going to see whitetail until around Thanksgiving weekend. Now, in those same areas, you could still find some big whitetail bucks up high. And uh, I've got uh, I've got some trail cameras set up high, and man, there are some monster. Like like for example, uh, I, I pulled this camera. I'm looking at the SD card and what whatnot, flipping through on my phone. And like at 7.09 or something like that in the morning, this big four by five, five mule deer goes walking by the trail. He's, he's just kind of cruising the trail. And this is uh, early October when, when I pulled this. Uh, I can't remember what month the, the buck came in, but it was sometime between mid-September and early October. So like 7.09 a.m., here comes, here comes Mr. Mule Deer Buck, and he's a nice shooter, man, especially for a guy like me. I'd, I'd, I'd be super proud of that buck. I'd be way happy with him. Um. And then at like 9.30 a.m., this even more impressive uh, five by six or six by six, I couldn't quite tell, uh, whitetail buck comes walking out right in front of the camera. And so I get a, I get a shot of him. And so that's just, uh, I'm giving you an example where, where I'm trying to set the premise that, you know, there's certain rules that you want to think about, like up in up in the northern country, the mule deer are going to be up high, whitetail are going to be usually a little bit lower. However, this isn't a black and white thing. There's a lot of crossover there. I've seen some huge whitetail bucks up in some high country mule deer stuff. And so you want to keep in mind, as, as I'm describing this to you new hunters out there, deer are very versatile animals. They're very adaptable. They can live in all sorts of different environments. And so it's not like other species that we discuss where, you know, there's there's this major consistency that is going to always play out every season uh, as to where you're going to find them and where you're not going to find them. And, you know, like, for example, elk, elk are pretty predictable from a standpoint of they're going to they're going to go down lower at night and feed in a meadow. Uh, they're gonna they're they're not gonna wander super far from water sources. They're gonna usually bed down when it's hot on like a north or an east face slope, that kind of stuff. Deer are way different, I think. Uh, where there's some commonalities, the thing you got to keep in mind is this super adaptable species deer. They you you'll find them in all places. You'll find them in all sorts of places. So. Again, I'm talking to those who are not looking for a 200-class buck, a 200-inch, you know, just a, some big, huge monster buck. I'm looking for the average hunter that just wants to fill his tag, his or her tag. Uh, so keep that in mind when we're talking about locating deer. They're very adaptable, and I have killed deer at low elevations in sagebrush deserts. I've killed deer in subalpine high level high elevation kind of areas you know up above the tree line even i've killed deer everywhere in between i've had uh 
big bucks come in front of me on west face, north face, east face, south face slopes. Uh, And the other thing that uh, I think is really important to describe is most of your patterns are going to be fairly inconsistent as well, especially as we go into November for this November rut hunt, uh, where it's not like, you know, first thing in the morning, you're going to see a buck every morning pop up out of the tree line and moving up a trail. And that's going to be the same thing every day for a week straight or something. It, it, it is like at any moment during the rut in November, you're going to find bucks cruising at all hours of the day, 10 o'clock in the morning, two o'clock in the afternoon, 5 PM, right at sundown, right at sunup. And if you, if you have a camera set up, you'll find that those uh, bucks are pretty active at night too. They'll, they'll show up at all times in the night. You know, midnight for some reason is really active on all my cameras for whitetail. Uh, not so much for muleys, but for whitetail, always midnight. And that doesn't help anybody because we can't hunt them at midnight. But this just kind of goes to show that there is a lot of unpredictability, especially during the month of November. Okay. So there's there's those, uh, I don't know, caveats to to deer hunting that that I think people should know. Now let's let's kind of focus a little bit here on locating deer. Deer, now keep in mind, and this is this is the same for most ungulate species, uh, but deer have basically three requirements. They need food source, they need water, and they need cover. Cover is going to be a thick stand of trees, a thick copse of trees, or, or a, a, a you know, dark-timbered hillside. Um, anywhere where they feel safe. If you have, like, these drainages you'll find in the bottom, these real thick alder uh, brush, this this alder brush, uh, where it's like it, you have to swim through this stuff. You can't just walk through it. I mean, you get snagged everywhere you go, especially for if you're wearing a pack, <laughs> you know. And it's it's kind of a pain to go through. Deer love that stuff because they can get in there, and that's where they feel safe. But they're going to have travel corridors in and out of those areas, and there's always going to be an area where you could set up and have an opportunity. Uh, to uh, catch them traveling to and from some of those thicker areas. This will be the same in like if you have a dark timber stand somewhere. Uh, Let's say you've got like a north face or a south face slope where there's a lot of dark timber and maybe just below it or to the side of it, there's kind of an open face on that same slope where uh, maybe there's some grass or shrubbery or or whatever. These deer are going to kind of utilize that to feed in but they're going to hang out in that those thick trees, and so when they feel safer, especially like right right as the sun's going down, those areas are going to offer you some opportunities to sit there and watch. One of the comments or posts that I saw of somebody that said, "Hey, I'm brand new to hunting, and you know I can't seem to get away from the ATVers, and uh, you know people are walking in over my spot, even though they know I'm there. They they walk right past my truck parked at the trailhead, and they they kind of walk right in front of us and blow the whole." you know, region out of the drainage out, you know, that here's the thing, guys, that that's just going to happen. This is public land. People are jerks. Uh, there's a lot of people we're, we're going to be working on like hunting etiquette type discussions later on, uh, on this podcast as, as we kind of roll into the winter. But, um, keep in mind, you have to accept a certain amount of obnoxious hunters that don't have respect for other hunters. They're, they're out there. We're not going to stop that. We're not going to change that. And posting and, and complaining about it on Facebook isn't going to change that either. So it's important, and it's going to be a lot easier on your um, your attitude during deer season to keep that in mind that you just have to accept the fact that there is a certain percentage of people that are just going to be jerks, and they think they own the mountain even though it's public land. Okay, so there's a second part to this. If you are having issues with ATVs and people kind of road hunting and it's blowing out your spot, my friend, you are too close to the road. You got to get away from that road. Now, road, uh, or, or I'm sorry, deer are going to obviously travel to and you'll see a lot of deer from the road. We all do all year long. You see deer from the road. So I think people get it in their mind that, you know, road hunting is this majorly effective way to, to hunt deer. And I'm not saying it's it's not, but uh, it's it's a lot more effective to get away from those roads because deer are not as dumb as as some people think they are. When they notice more ATVs and more people in the woods and more trucks and more camps and all this stuff action going on during October and November, 
deer know this and they start avoiding the roads. And so when when you're complaining, sitting there and and you're having a hard time finding deer because you feel like the road, you know, that might be 40 or 50 yards behind you is super busy and it's scaring all the game out. You need to move further away. There's no other way to explain that. And what I like to do, here's a little secret. What I like to do is let's say I'm on a forest service road and I'm, I'm, I'm up on a dirt road and I'm traveling through and there's like these, you know, various pullouts where, you know, you, you can always count on some other hunter being parked there and, you know, people getting fights at three o'clock in the morning, trying to be the first one there and whatnot. Here's the thing. Forget those spots. Go find a spot that is not obvious. That's not some trailhead or even like a, an, a, a convenient place to park to start hiking in. Forget those spots. Go find a spot to park where you can get your vehicle off the road and it doesn't look like anybody else's park there and maybe the country around it is a little steeper. Most people aren't going to be willing to hike into there and maybe it's dark timber, uh, again, tougher country and you are off trail. You are just beating the bush. Uh, you are bushwhacking to get into some of those spots. Use your mapping services. You know, you've got you've got your Onyx, you've got your uh, base maps, you've got Spartan Forge, all these excellent mapping services out there. If you utilize those, you could find those spots while you're out driving and scouting to be like, okay, this is a, a super random spot. Nobody would think to stop and park here and hunt. Use those and find areas. Maybe it's only 100 yards of, of hardcore bushwhacking, and all of a sudden you've got a nice open face or something to hunt on. It's it's a really great strategy. Uh, I, I use that a lot, and, and, and I use that for both elk, deer, uh, not both. I mean, I use it for bear, I, every, everything, everything I hunt. I, that's kind of what I do. I, I'm looking for off-the-beaten-path type of areas that give me access to uh, hunting areas that other people are not going to be targeting because there's not a convenient parking spot. I'm telling you, when you do that, you're eliminating 70 or 80% of your competition. So that's that's a number one. Uh, one of the questions that uh, I've I've either seen or somebody's emailed or messaged me is like, how far from the road do you need to be for deer? Well, here's the thing: you don't need to be that far from the road. In the case of what I was just talking about with ATVs chasing deer away, um, if you're on like some busy dirt road, yeah, you're going to need to get further. Uh, I, I'd say, you know half a mile to a mile, uh, y- you'll be sitting pretty. Uh, you, you might go eight or nine miles and maybe that's how you're going to access the top of a, a, a basin where, you know, some big mule deer hanging out, or maybe it's three miles from, from the road to get into a drainage where there is some good whitetail activity going in and out of the bottom of that drainage through the alders and, and making scrapes and all that kind of stuff. And, 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 and a lot of that stuff, guys, if you're listening to the school of uh, November series that we're doing, I've, I've got experts that I bring in that talk about the more advanced stuff like utilizing scrapes and creating mock scrapes and, you know, all that kind of stuff. So I am just talking super basic and let's get back to being basic. Find a, find a place where nobody else is going to park and get off the road and get, get at least a half a mile off of that road and start looking for places where it looks like there are game trails and you can sit and watch. Here's the thing. There is this thing, you know, called uh, spot and stock or or still hunting, uh, which are two totally different things. I didn't mean to say that the spot and stock part because that's that's different. Uh, still hunting where, where you just move slowly through the through the woods. And when I say slowly, you're just moving slowly to where you think based on either your mapping system, scouting or just intuition where you think there could be deer. And it looks, uh, a lot of us call it deery. It looks very deery. This, and, and this works in, in my opinion, this works way better for mule deer than it does for whitetail. In that situation, you, okay, let's say you're working a drainage or, or a ridge system. And it looks like there's been a lot of deer in the area. There's sign, there's, there's rubs on the trees. Uh, there, or I'm sorry, there's some scrapes. Uh, there's, there's, there's deer droppings, you know, the tracks. You, you, you could just tell there's, there's been a lot of deer th- activity through there. What you want to do when you're still hunting is this is not a marathon. You are going super, super slow. And when I say slow, I recommend you have a pair of binos on your, uh, you know, I, I recommend the chest harness. Um, 
and you are taking a few steps and you are stopping and you are slowly turning your head and you are looking in every, you know, you're, you're looking from left to right of what's in front of you. You're not necessarily, don't try to picture a deer standing there. That could kind of mess with your head anyway. What you're looking for is shapes that are out of place, coloring that is out of place, and movement. Those are the things that you are, are looking for when you're still hunting. And then you'll take a few more steps and you'll do it again. Use your senses. Use all of your senses. You want to you wanna listen. Now, if you're deaf like I am, you're going to want to get some hearing aids or something. <laughs> um, you want to visually, you're gonna, you'd be so surprised how moving so slow through the woods with the wind in your favor can yield a buck all of a sudden right in front of you that doesn't know you're there, that if you were just walking normally and not really paying attention, uh, you would have never seen in your life. But you have to be hyper aware and use all of your senses. Uh, you can smell deer. You can smell deer if they're close. You can you can hear deer walking quietly, or um, you can obviously visually see them if they are somewhere. You know, they, it's amazing how well they can blend in, especially if like a, the buck is like bedded up somewhere in some brush. Man, they could be tough to pick out. But if you're moving slowly, that buck may turn its head or flick its ear, or, or uh, you know, shake its tail or wh- whatever, flick its tail. That's the kind of stuff you're looking for. So don't try to picture a deer. In, in your mind and, and look for that with still hunting. Just move very slowly, a few steps, stop, look around, use your binos, even if there's only a hundred yards of uh, wh- you know what you could see before the timber goes dark or the ridge turns or something. Use your binos to really focus in on what you're looking for. Take a, take a few more steps. Be super quiet. The really important thing with this is wind. Uh, thermals. If you don't understand thermals, you need to understand thermals. And so, what what did Fred Bear say? You know, remember, uh, in the mornings and in the evenings, go uphill, and in the uh, mid middle of the day, go downhill. I, I think he said something along those lines, and he's right, because the mornings and evenings, those thermals are blowing down, and so deer below you will smell you midday when the thermals are going up. Or if there's a storm or a lot of cloud cover, and for some reason it's just a cold day, so maybe the thermals never moved up. But if they're up, if they're going up, use a wind checker. Um, they're like a dollar ninety nine or something. You know, you know, they just shoot that little powdery stuff. Again, some of you listening, I, keep in mind, I'm I'm talking to people that maybe this is their first time deer hunting. This is their first season going out. But get you a wind checker. Uh, super important. Midday, uh, thermals are going to be going up. So you don't want to go uphill because those deer will be bedded above you and they will smell you long before you ever detect them. Okay, so that's uh, 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 maybe do a Google search of what mountain thermals are. So that's still hunting. And you can you could go one, two, three, you can go 10 miles if you want to do do it that way. It's going to take you a long time if, you, if you're doing it the way I'm describing. But it could be very productive. That said, my favorite way to hunt deer is just sitting down and watching because deer move. They get, especially during the rut, these bucks are going to be cruising. They're going to be looking for does. Uh, they're, they're going to be on the move. And this could be, you know, again, if, if I had my druthers of favorite times to hunt deer rut or no rut, it's going to be that first light and at last light. However, uh, if, if, you set up and it's pre-dawn and, and the sun comes up and, you know, all of a sudden you find yourself it's nine o'clock and, and you haven't seen a deer yet. That does not mean you need to get up and move. Sit there and just sitting down and you can you could be watching a trail. You could be watching maybe what could be a potential feeding area, a small meadow. Uh, you could be watching across the drainage to maybe an open face area where you have a lot of uh, open area to cover with your binos and just sit there and use your binos, use your glass and watch. Uh, I can't tell you how many times I've been just sitting there and I've been watching the same spot across the drainage and it's like this open area and I'm like, okay, well, there's nothing, nothing, nothing. And then bam, right in the middle of this thing, I don't know how it got there. It's like an alien dropped it off. All of a sudden there's a buck standing there. And that's because, keep in mind, deer, they live in the wild for a living. This is what they do. This is their, they're always there. They're very tuned in. They're very keyed in to their environment. And so they can move very quietly. They can move very stealth, stealthy. Um, and so that's, that's why you're constantly losing, 
or, or I'm sorry, using your glass to to monitor these these other uh, these these other hills and 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 whatnot, whatever terrain you're hunting, you know. Um, okay, that's my favorite way. I, I really enjoy just sitting there and and watching. A, the bigger area you can watch, the better. And what what you're what you're going to do a lot of a lot of times you're going to find a buck or something that's way out of range for you. Whatever whatever you're comfortable shooting out to. Uh, I am not a sniper, so I'm, you know, 500, 500 yards or closer is, is, uh, where I'm comfortable. That's, that's about what I'm going to shoot out to. Uh, and that, that's, that's going to change too with, uh, various different terrains and whatnot. But if you're, we're talking rifle hunting, uh, so a lot of times you'll spot a buck and then you gotta, you gotta come up with a play to get closer. For, for example, I, I like to, I like to kind of max out at about 500 yards. That's, that's, that's where I'm comfortable at. And this is, this is a lot because, uh, you know, I, I'm I'm mostly an archery hunter, uh, and so I don't feel like I'm as proficient long range with my rifle as I am with a with a bow. Uh, that said, however, if it's within 500 yards, I'm pretty deadly, and so that's that's kind of where I focus. So let's say you're watching an area, and all of a sudden this buck pops out, and he's like six or seven hundred yards, and you're not comfortable making that shot, but he's not going. Maybe he's bedded down on a on on a, a south face, getting some sun or something. Um, you're going to have to develop a plan to move closer to that buck without being detected. And the way to do that is to utilize dark timber, uh, utilize the terrain. If you've got an area where a ridge system can hide you for most of the way, and you're going to want to keep in mind wind, keep in mind if, if it's, if it's, I don't know, three, four, almost five o'clock. Uh, dep- again, this is going to be dependent on the time. Uh, five o'clock is way different around Thanksgiving than it is around Halloween. So keep that in mind. Uh, but let's say it's around four o'clock just to be safe. Those thermals are still going up. So that buck is bedded there smelling anything that's below him. But if you start making a move and, and because of the nature of the terrain, you have to be very, very slow and very, very cautious. You know, 45 minutes goes by. Man, those thermals could switch on you. So keep that in mind. I prefer to try to approach, if if at all possible, I try to approach a buck at uh, the same elevation that he is on. That way, if I'm coming from his side, thermals going up or down are not going to affect me, and I'm not going to get busted that way. So that's why I try to focus uh, on on that. So good method. Very good method. All right, so then there are other ways. Uh, what I, I guess I kind of want to go back to locating deer for a minute. Again, I told you in the beginning of this that you can find deer anywhere. You really can. For some reason, there are mountains or hill sides or valleys, uh, you know, river or drainages. There are areas that tend to hold more deer than others, and, and there's areas where deer just kind of seem to you know, they kind of, whatever, I'm not going to hang out there. And, and they just don't, maybe they use it as a travel corridor, but they're not, they're not living there. And those factors could include, maybe it's too far away from water or feed, or there's not enough cover, or it gets too hot, or maybe it gets too windy, uh, you know, something like that. What, what you're looking for with deer, deer country, and, and a lot of this comes with just experience and, and is kind of unexplainable, I, I, let me put it this way. I can look at a mountain and I can start picking that mountain apart and I know where the deer are going to be. And and I don't really know how to explain that to new hunters, except I've just been doing this for so long. I, I just know. I, I know where they're going to be. And I'm usually very accurate with that. And so a lot of it has to do with whether or not these deer have a place to uh, find cover and food is close by, uh, you know, the shrubs, what, whatever they're eating. Um, and, and there's water, maybe there's a spring, uh, and you might not be able to locate the water, but there's a spring, you know, down in the, the Southern Southwest, uh, mule deer, whitetail and, and, uh, these cows, deer, coos deer, however you say that, uh, you, you're going to be looking a lot more for, for the water source, you know, and they'll, they'll have areas where it's, it's always well known where the water sources are. But up here in the Northern Rockies, there's mountain springs and creeks and, Everything else, so water's not as critical to locate when you're locating deer. The other thing, and this is going to be applicable when you're locating deer, uh, the other thing to look for, it's going to be applicable to both uh, whitetail and mule deer, is they need an escape route. 
So as you're picking apart a mountain, for example, look at that mountain and imagine you're the buck, you're the deer. What, when you look at that mountain, what's going to be the easiest, fastest, safest way for you to truck it out of there? If something spooks you, that's what you're looking for. If, if there is a, let's say you are hunting some high country and you're, you're looking for a mule deer and you know, sometimes you get up in that, that high timber and you've got these dark patches and you've got these open faces with some grasses and, and kind of a meadowy little clear spot where, where it looks great for a mule deer to feed. Uh, and, and then maybe, maybe down below there's a spring or a creek running through it and, and whatnot. Maybe it's like an east facing slope, uh, good deery kind of area. You, you, you're probably going to find a deer in there, but what are you looking for too? That buck, that deer is going to want to escape if it needs to, whether it's a predator hunter, whatever it, it, it's going to want to escape. And a lot of times that's going to be right up at, uh, like an open face where they can like mule deer, they're going to stop stop me you've seen these mule deer they 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 like hop they kind of run like a you almost think it's a jackrabbit or something um really interesting to watch these mule deer uh stot away and and they're going to find paths where they can shoot out of a drainage either up over the top or out the side and and you're just looking for that terrain that is going to make that a little bit easier for them versus like maybe one part of that that mountain face has a bunch of blowdown and uh, some thick timber or it gets super steep. Um, you know, think just think, make it very common sense. Like those deer, like you and I, are going to want to find the fastest and easiest way off the mountain. That's what you're looking for. Don't complicate that. Look for escape routes. Those escape routes is where you're going to find deer. They like to be safe and and they are a prey species. They're very alert and they are very cognizant of how they're going to get out of there uh, in the event the danger, um, you know, is present. So that's that's locating deer. Uh, and then we talked about um, still hunting and spot and stock. Uh, there are other methods. Obviously, you can set you can set a ground blind, uh, whitetail. This is I love ground blinds for whitetail hunting. Uh, I, I love setting up a mock scrape and and uh, on a, on like a travel corridor and just sitting in a ground blind and and watching and you learn so much because you'll have a, a bunch of does come by uh, and if you want to shoot a doe then you know there's nothing wrong with shooting a doe in in most areas some some places that might not be a great idea but uh, if you're just after the meat the, there's nothing wrong with shooting a big doe uh, you'll get a lot more than if you shoot like a little spike or something so uh, meat wise. Uh, so, and just watching and monitoring the does uh, as they kind of interact with each other is is super interesting, and you learn a lot about deer behavior and stuff like that by doing that on a uh, with a ground blind. I feel like you just get a lot closer to deer with a ground blind than like, say a tree stand. Now, I am not going to speak to tree stand hunting. Uh, if any of you listen to the other episodes on my show, you you might know I don't have. I'm not one of those guys that can go sit in a tree stand for eight hours. I, I just don't have that kind of patience. It's not my personality. I get super antsy. Um, and, and, and so I just, I've just never done it. I, I don't, I don't like the idea of being up in a tree. Um, I don't know. It's just not my thing. However, comma, they're some of the most effective whitetail killers that I know out here in the West. Uh, they use tree stands. And some of them are setting them up like I've I've got this buddy Troy he he puts them up like thirty feet in the air, uh, it's insane, and and so there is a lot to learn. I'm not the guy to learn tree stand hunting from, but there there are a lot of resources out there, other podcasts, you know, YouTube videos, all that kind of stuff. Uh, so so those are in there. Other things, some states like if you're in the state of Washington, you can bait. Now keep in mind if you're baiting if you're baiting for deer, whitetail uh, specifically. You are not, the goal is not, for, for the month of November, the goal is not to bait in a big buck, okay? The goal is to bait the does, because what's going to be following the does during the rut? Uh, and, and I don't know how elementary we need to get, but if, if, for those of you that don't understand the rut, for up in the northern rocky regions, the mule deer and the whitetail are rutting in the, in the month of November, which is a time when they're breeding, so the bucks are completely changing their habits and patterns uh, that you'd see, you know, the other 10, 11 months out of the year. And during late October through early December, they are chasing does uh, to breed. 
And that's what the rut is. Again, I, I don't know if there's somebody that, you know, I, I don't know how new and green you are to, to deer hunting. And and, and I've, I, I've met deer hunters that don't know what the rut is. So just just in case anybody didn't know, that's that's what it is. Uh, kind of got me off track there. What, what were we talking about? The, uh, oh, baiting. So uh, if you're baiting, you're, the goal is to bait the does and uh, the does are going to attract the bucks. So if you're just sitting there and there's nothing but does in front of you and it's November, man, oh man, just give it a minute. Uh, a buck will show up and it could be a small buck and it could be a giant buck. Just wait. Uh, other than that, I don't know much about baiting. So um, let's see. We've, we've talked about spot and stock. We've talked about baiting. We've talked about um, still hunting. Now let's talk, uh, let's talk a little bit about calling. The calling for deer, uh, especially whitetail, I've not had a lot of success with mule deer, uh, but I know that there are people that have. But for me, calling is more of a whitetail thing uh, just because that's that's what I know. Um, so if somebody knows, has has some kind of great way to call in mule deer, that's that's awesome. You, you know, let me know. Hit me up at Jim at thewesternhusband.com. I'd love to hear about that kind of stuff because I'm, I'm pretty nutty about mule deer. But for whitetail... Uh, for for me, what what I like to do is I like to be in a ground blind, and I like to be on in in some kind of. Um, my buddy John Gabriel described it as like a pinch point, but maybe there's a couple of trails that are rolling through. Maybe it's the the V in in the top of a drainage where there's multiple trails coming through, and there's a lot of activity on there. Whether it's on the cameras that you use, uh, get you some cameras if especially if you are a whitetail hunter. Uh, I cannot articulate or or highlight the importance of cameras uh, well enough. I, I and, and for me, I like I like the spy points. Uh, they're a sponsor on the show. Spy points give you really good uh, image quality, uh, and they're very consistent. But what I like to do for calling is I will sit in a ground blind and I will use a grunt tube. And uh, again, I, I use a Phelps grunt tube, uh, the Beta. It's a really good one. Very, uh, I've had a lot of luck with this uh, with this deer tube, or deer call. <laughs> uh, but it's a grunt tube, and you're just kind of uh, w- what I'm doing with it is I'm not making these really aggressive grunts. I'm making it sound like this buck is just kind of tending to his does kind of thing, and he's just kind of maybe a little frustrated, maybe maybe just a little defensive, but not like really aggressive. It's not like you're trying to portray a buck that is looking to pick a fight with another buck because he's defending his territory or his does. It's more like you're just kind of communicating, and and it's it's not super aggressive. I should have had the calls in here, and I would have made done some demonstrations. A bleat is another good one. I call a bleat call more of a Hail Mary kind of thing where maybe the grunts aren't working. So use a bleat call. Again, uh, Phelps has a great bleat call. Uh, and that's just kind of going to, it's going to sound like real, you know, I don't know if you've ever heard a doe do it. I have a few times and that's all it is. It's a weirdest sound. It's almost eerie sounding. But these bleat calls are great for a Hail Mary situation when maybe rattling or the the uh, the grunt calls aren't working. Um, throw out a bleat call, and sometimes you'll get a, a a decent buck that will respond to that. What I found with these bleat calls, and, and this is for this is especially for those of you that are not super picky with their deer. If you just want like a three or a four point buck, uh, maybe a young two and a half year old, maybe a three and a half year old, those bleat calls can be very effective on them. And that's going to be where maybe it's like a, a, I feel like it's just one of those lucky circumstance situations where you throw out a bleak call and there happens to be maybe a hundred yards away, uh, a little three or four point buck cruise in the area and he hears it and he comes in and he comes in trucking and he's looking for that doe that just made that call. Uh, so that that's where I kind of use those and, and I'll use those towards the end of the season if, if like my target buck. Uh, hasn't materialized in terms of of the hunt, and and I'm getting desperate to fill the freezer. I'll start throwing out some bleak calls, and I'll, I'll usually get like a, a a good little three or four point coming in, and and I can I can at least fill the freezer at that point. Uh, rattling. Let's talk about rattling. There's two ways to rattle. You get you can get the uh, well. There's 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 more than that because you can get the actual. Uh, you could use real antlers. You can get the fake antlers from like you know Cabela's or, or uh, you know uh, Amazon or whatever. Uh, you can also get the rattle bags. Um, 
I've never used those, but uh, I know that I know there's a lot of people that have used them and and they've been um, very successful with them. So what what I'm what I'm getting back to with the two ways to rattle, what I have found works best for whitetail is you can either make it sound like a full on two whitetail buck battle going on. And this is where you're stomping the ground and and maybe breaking some sticks and you're just crashing these antlers together and they're just in this big battle and you do that for like two minutes straight. That has worked for me. The other way is where it's like a posturing buck battle, if that makes sense. It's like they're they're not really fighting, but they're they're kinda they're kinda hitting their their antlers together they're kind of rubbing their horns against the other buck. Um, it's almost like, you know, remember in elementary school and, and somebody getting a fist fight, that fist fight didn't just start by by fists starting to get thrown, right? They started pushing each other first and kind of putting their chest out and they're, they're kind of, you know, they're posturing. They're, they're like, oh, oh, really? You, you Look at me. Look how, look how tough I am. I, I could push you. And the other guy pushes him back and they're, and they're sizing each other up. That's kind of what I'm talking about. These bucks will kind of posture with you, and I've I've actually seen uh, bucks do this with each other from a distance, and and it's it's super interesting to watch because they'll come up, they've got their heads kind of thrown back, and maybe their ears are down a little bit, and and they'll just kind of touch each other. the The horns will just touch, and and again, I wish I had I, I should have brought my rattle in to to kind of demonstrate this, but you're gonna go, you know, crash them together for a minute, crash, 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 and then stop. You know, and wait 20, 30 seconds and then crash them together again and crash, 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 crash. You know, just lightly, not super hard. You're just kind of making enough sound that, you know, this sound isn't going to carry 500 yards. It's going to carry like 100 yards. And uh, this will get, this will garner the attention of any other bucks within sound uh, shot, earshot, and they're going to come and check this out. Now, when they do this, one of the things I caution people, especially that we're out bugling for bulls in uh, September and they're out there screaming at elk and, and the elk are screaming back, uh, you know, a lot of times the elk will come in super quiet, but most of the time they're going to be making a lot of noise when they're coming in. Go to the super quiet mode. This is where it's nice to be in like a ground blind because you could sit there and just monitor everything in front of you when you're doing that posturing rattle session. Uh, they're gonna they're gonna come in very cautiously, very slowly. Because remember, they don't want to get their butt kicked by a bigger buck, and so they're gonna be coming in just to check out what's going on. They're gonna see who's over there fighting, who's over there, you know, posturing with each other and 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 knocking their horns together, and and they're gonna come in super quiet. And you are usually the the reason why I like being in a ground blind for this is because you need to look back and forth from from left to right and cover all the ground. The bucks are typically typically going to come in where you don't expect them to. They're going to come in like the you you think, oh, that's an obvious spot. There's a nice trail. That buck's going to come walking right down there and I'm going to have a nice clean shot. Nope. They're usually going to come in the, in the thick stuff and all you're going to see is like the left antler poking out of some brush. And uh, if you don't spook them away because you're not in a ground blind or something or in a tree stand, uh, that's the only thing you're going to see of them and they're going to disappear. Especially true for whitetail. Again, I've never really done this with mealies. Um, but, but that's what I do. And then if, if you're in a ground blind and you, you spot that maybe ear sticking out of the brush or, or an antler sticking out, He'll he'll still get curious. Stop once once you spot the deer. Stop rattling. Just stop, and and it's going to make it so that buck is not going to totally pinpoint your location, and he's going to have to move around to try to get a visual on those bucks that were doing that. And and it's so much fun too. I love I love this part of uh, I I just I can't tell you how much I love deer hunting. I I I love deer hunting because of the different nuances that are involved, like like situations I'm talking about. So if you stop rattling, that buck's going to start. He's going to poke his head out a little bit more, and he's going to take a few steps, and maybe he uh, will make a little bit of noise. You know, they'll they'll blow, they'll whatever. There, he's going to kind of come in, and um, eventually, and hopefully, that buck is going to give you a shot. Uh, that's that's how that kind of posturing antler thing works, and 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 again. Um, I, I haven't killed a ton of bucks with that, but I've killed a couple because of that, that, uh, the, it, one of those two rattling methods. So just to recap on the rattling, one is super aggressive, 
sounds like you know World War Three out there. They're you know stomp on the ground and you're breaking sticks and you're just crashing those antlers together and you do it for like two minutes straight. And I usually will uh, before I start rattling, I'll kind of pop off a, a, a pretty aggressive grunt. Uh, and, and that has worked for me. I'll, I'll do a little grunt right before and then bam, I'll, cr- I'll start hitting those antlers together and, and crashing around. It'll be this, you know, this big fight. Uh, and then the other method, I don't use any of the grunts. It's just a posturing. You're just crash, 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 stop, wait, 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 crash, crash, crash again, you know, you know, and they're just kind of filling each other out, you know, pushing each other around and posturing, uh, to determine if it's worth getting into a more aggressive fight. So, all right, guys. We've gone 45 minutes here. Um, we've talked about kind of how to how to find deer, which again I can't say enough. You'll find deer everywhere you go. I was in if any of you are familiar with uh, downtown or uh, Sandpoint, Idaho. It's way up north in the Panhandle. I was coming through the other day, first thing in the morning, uh, and and Sandpoint is not a mule deer spot, right? You don't think of mule deer when you think of standpoint. It's mostly a whitetail thing. The muleys are way up high in the backcountry and stuff. But I'm I'm coming there's this thing in standpoint. Some of you listening are gonna know exactly what I'm talking about. Where uh you gotta drive across a lake. It's called the Long Bridge. It's this big long bridge. Uh, imagine that. And it takes you across the lake and and uh, down south and heading towards Coeur d'Alene, Idaho. Well before you get to that bridge there's um kind of like this bypass area and I'm coming through and it's pretty early in the morning. Sun's just coming up and there is this giant four point, probably 150, 160 class mule deer buck standing on the side of the highway. It's, it was a dang thing. I you don't ever see mule deer down there. Now there are a few mule deer that live in like downtown standpoint. It's a weirdest thing because if you get on the outskirts of standpoint, all you're going to see your whitetail. But anyway, I'm saying that to highlight that you never know where you're going to find a deer. You never know where you're, when you're where you're going to find a buck because they are so adaptable. They could be anywhere. So don't try to look for um the perfect area where deer are going to be. Look for where deer where you know deer are going to be and 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 what I mean by that is you're looking for deer sign. You're looking for recent activities uh or activity such as ruts or geez, I can't even talk straight right now. I'm getting too excited. Scrapes. You're looking for tracks. You're looking for uh, deer poop. You know it, the droppings. You're looking for um, any any sign of trail systems that seem to be active. You're smelling the deer. They'll bed in areas, and that smell will linger for several hours. Fall. Find find a way to locate deer that way. Don't go out there just thinking you're going to find a deer. Or I guess change your mindset. Don't go out there and look for a deer. Go out there and look for deer sign and then hunt that area. Recent sign and hunt that area. I think that's where like one of the big mistakes that new deer hunters make is is they go out on a mountain and they're just trying to look for a deer. And, oh, man, where's a deer going to be? I'm, I'm going to watch this. Oh, man, the, the ATV on uh, right behind me just scared all the deer away. If there were any here in the first place, we don't even know. And uh, Or, or they, they sat on a ridge watching the other side, uh, you know, all day long and never saw a deer. Okay, did you see deer tracks? Did you see deer droppings that were fresh? You know, deer droppings are not fresh if they were there, you know, in May, and now here it is November. Uh, are, are, are you look? Do, do you see any fresh, uh, scr- uh, rubs, scrapes, anything like that? I get, I get tongue tied when I get excited. <laughs> um, what are you looking for? And so that's what I suggest. Stop going out and trying to find a deer. Go find deer area where there's recent, uh, activity and sign the backs that activity up. That's what you hunt. And I wish you guys the best of luck. I hope this helps some of you new guys out there and, and maybe some of you old timers. Maybe you have some other tips that uh, it, we could we could jump on and do another quick little episode like this and, and do it again. So, guys, thanks a bunch for tuning in. Uh, again, this is the Western Huntsman Podcast. It's just a bonus episode. Uh, I don't want to insert a bunch of ads into this one, but I do want to ask that uh, a couple things of you. Uh, if you enjoy this show and, and you tune in and, and it's one of your favorite shows, or maybe it's just one of the one of the shows that um, 
you know, you, you get a lot out of, you enjoy, and I don't care if you like me personally, but maybe you really like my guests that I bring on, uh, that's totally fine with me. But if it is one of those, if you get something positive out of this show, it really helps me personally, and, and it helps the show with algorithms and everything else. If you jump on uh, to Apple Podcasts and write us a good review, I, I would really appreciate a good review. That uh, that goes a long way in helping this show grow and get recognition and, and helps other people find this show. Um, and we put a lot of work into this podcast, and so uh, I, I would really appreciate if you guys don't mind jumping on and giving, giving us a good review and and a five-star rating, um, that, that helps us a lot. If you don't like the show, um, you know, it's like that, that old saying, uh, if you can't say something nice, don't say anything at all. Let's, let's stick with that rule. That's a great rule. <laughs> so, cause I know this show isn't for everybody. So, uh, just something I'd appreciate. Um, and guys, we do have, I, I do really appreciate if, uh, you are in the market for anything, uh, the it helps us if you help uh, or if you support our sponsors that make this show possible. Some of the sponsors we've got Spy Point Camera, uh, the best trail cameras out there. We've got Hoffman Boots. Uh, I will never not be a Hoffman Boot guy. I love my Hoffman Boots. I run the Explorers. Um, we have Silencer Central. If you guys want a suppressor on your weapon, check out SilencerCentral.com. It's the best company out there that'll help you through the whole process. It's a great outfit. Savage Firearms, guys. Uh, Savage Firearms is not the same company that it was 40 years ago. You need to check out these rifles. Uh, fantastic for mountain western hunters. Uh, Barnes Bullets. If you like copper bullets and you want something uh, that's, that's bulletproof, <laughs> so to speak, no pun intended, check out BarnesBullets.com. Um, really good company, really good outfit. I uh, really, really enjoy those guys. So, uh, let's see who did I miss anybody? Oh, I, I didn't, I didn't forget them because they're my, I, I'm saving the best for last. No, I'm kidding. They're all the best. Juniper mountain coffee guys. If you, uh, if you like coffee as much as I do, juniper mountain, uh, coffee is uh dark roast, light roast, medium roast. It's, it's all available there. Uh, it's a great company and they're not run by a bunch of wokesters or something. I uh, really, really like this company. It's a great American story. So check uh, check out Juniper Mountain Coffee. If uh, if you're into coffee as much as I am, I uh, guarantee you guys will like it. So, guys, thanks again. Uh, if you want to take this a step further, you can also check out Eastman's Hunting Journals in, in the uh, Tag Hub. Uh, they have the Mule Deer e-course. Uh, it's a really good value. Dan Picard and Brian Barney break down all their mule deer. This is for guys that want to up their game and and uh, get get after those bigger mule deer bucks uh, it's a great course so thanks again for tuning in guys good luck this season uh, if you guys get a buck down and uh, post it on instagram make sure you tag me at the western huntsman i'd love to see it thanks a bunch guys good luck out there we'll talk to you soon Bye. you made it that's the end of the episode. Thank you so much for tuning in. Please make sure you're following us on Instagram at the Western Huntsman and write us a good review at Apple Podcasts. Thanks, guys. See you next time. Stay Western, and I'll see you on.